Good morning, church. Here we are again this Sunday. We're in week number three of our series, Teach Us to Pray. We're walking phrase by phrase through the Lord's Prayer, which we see Jesus teach on in Matthew 6, Luke chapter 11 also. Um, we're going to continue on with this week number one. We talked about the idea that prayer is about presence. It's about being with God who has invited us into his presence. Last week, we addressed the first phrase of the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father, which art in heaven. And we saw that prayer is rooted in relationship. It's rooted in a relationship with God, our Father, that because of Jesus, we have access to the Father. And we also, it's rooted in the relationship we have with one another, that we pray our Father, not my Father, our Father. Why? Because we've been adopted into the family of of God. And so it reminds us of our relationship with God our Father, that we are sons and daughters, and that we're also brothers and sisters. We're in the family of God. Prayer is rooted in relationship. Prayer is how we draw near to God. And so our Father, that very first phrase was all about acknowledging God for who He is. That doesn't mean you have to pray our Father, which art in heaven, every time you pray. But what it means is the very first act of prayer is acknowledging who we are speaking to, whose presence we are entering into. So whatever that looks like for you, maybe that's our Father, maybe that's Heavenly Father, maybe that's dear Lord, Father God, sweet Jesus, whatever it is that you pray, however you address Him, it's acknowledging who He is when we pray. Now, the second phrase that we are hitting this week is the phrase, Hallowed be thy name. Matthew 6, verse 9. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this is really a continuation that bleeds over from that first phrase, our Father which art in heaven, into this phrase, hallowed be thy name. Because we've just addressed God by name. And this, this next phrase, hallowed be thy name, is more about our our, our posture, our heart posture, the way that we approach God. Now, there's a lot of ways, good and bad, that we can approach God. We can approach God confidently, hopefully, honestly, boldly. He's, he's invited us to come in all these ways, but we can also come casually and flippantly and arrogantly and demanding things, and these are bad ways to approach God. But what Jesus instructs us when he says, hallowed be thy name, is he says that the the primary, first and foremost, the way that we come to God, the posture that we assume is a posture of, of adoration and awe. It's a posture of, of worship. Hallowed be thy name. So let's consider those words. Thy name, what is thy name all about? Well. We get this because in, in, in Bible times, your name encapsulated all of who you are. Okay, so when you said a name, there was a meaning to that name. And it, 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 when you said a name, you understood the character and the nature and the totality of a person. So, you know, names in the scriptures were, were incredibly important. Uh, names of individuals, you know, and God would, when God would transform a person, he would change their name. Abram to Abraham, Simon to Peter, Saul to Paul. When God would transform the the character and nature of a person, he would change their name. 
Why? It's because their name represented all of who they were. Tim Keller, who wrote the book Prayer, which I referenced a couple weeks ago, he says this, for us, the term name may be just a label or a brand that can be discarded or changed at will. But in biblical times, it denoted the very nature and being of a person. In other words, in the Bible, your name is your nature. Your name is your nature. So if I, if I were to throw out a name in, in our culture today, let me just throw out a couple. You're going to think of immediately the person that I, is identified by that name. And you're going to think of their, their character and their nature. All right, for example, let me throw out the name LeBron. Okay, automatically it conjures up some thoughts. You think of the person and what he's all about and how he plays ball and all those things. Oh, what if I threw out the name Donald? You don't think of Donald Duck, right? You think of the president, Donald Trump, and you think of his character and you think of his nature and all the things that are wrapped up in who he is. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about thy name. We're talking about God's name, which means or which refers to the totality of who he is. When we speak about God's name, we are referencing who God is. What about that word hallowed? What, is it, what does the word hallowed mean? It's translated other places in scripture as holy or sanctified, which literally just means set apart, set apart. So if, if, if we took 10 pairs of, of shoes and put them on the floor before us and nine of those pairs of shoes cost 50 to $100, but then you had this 10th pair of shoes that cost $400. You know what we would do? We would take that $400 pair of shoes and set it aside because that's, that's in a whole different category of its own, right? It's set apart. It's hallowed. It's sanctified. That's, that's what we're talking about when we say hallowed, holy, sanctified. We're, we're saying it's set apart. It's on a whole nother level. All right, let me give you a couple other examples of this. I, when I think of the word hallowed, I think of a phrase from the movie, Remember the Titans. Great movie, great movie to watch right now based on what we're dealing with as a nation and the division we have in our country. But a great scene at, at, uh, at the battlefield of, of Gettysburg. And, and I, I won't go into this whole speech, but Denzel Washington in a way that only Denzel can throw down the line. I mean, this incredible movie speech where he's, he's got this group of black and white students in the midst of you know, the height of, of segregation in our country. He's trying to bring these young men together from his football team. He takes them to the battlefield and he says, men, listen and learn from the dead. If we don't come together on this hallowed ground, we will be destroyed just like they were. The, 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 the men who, who died on this battlefield. He says, if we don't come together on this hallowed ground, we're going to be destroyed just like they were. And so when I think of hallowed ground, I think of, you know, he's not talking about this ground that's, you know, special because of, you know, the dirt or the grass or any of that stuff. No, it was set apart. It was special and unique because of what took place there. Because of all the young men who gave their lives and spilled their blood and sacrificed in battle for this 
for this cause that was bigger than themselves. Hallowed ground. Let me give you another example. Um, the Tate Six Pack. My wife, my kids, I love them. But you know what? I love people. I love, I love people in our church. I love people that we do life with. But my wife, my kids, they're, they're, they're set apart. All right? They're like the $400 pair of shoes. It's probably not the most flattering comparison, but they are on a, a totally different level than anybody else. They have my attention and my affection and my, my heart more than anybody else. They are set apart. Let me give you another simple, silly example. Let me frame it this way. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any favorites, like favorite restaurant, favorite food? Those things are set apart. That doesn't mean you don't like other restaurants or other foods, but you have a favorite, something that's above and beyond the rest. So for me, let me give you a quick example. Father's Day was incredible for us last week. We, we took off early last Sunday morning, went to Isle of Palms, and y'all know me. If, if you know that I have a favorite kind of food, you know that it's pizza, right? I haven't met a pizza I don't like, but I do have a favorite. It's, it's called Donato's. It, it, it's, a, it's now a chain that started in Ohio, and we have since discovered, since moving to South Carolina, there are two locations, one in the upstate in Boiling Springs, which we've been to a couple times, and then there's one in the low country in Somerville, right off of 26 on the way to Charleston. Donato's, check it out sometime if you're in either one of those areas. It is my favorite. You, you, you line up 10 different pizzas, one next to the other, Donato's is going to be set apart, sanctified, holy, it's holy pizza <laughs> every time. That is my favorite. I love desserts. I love desserts. I've got a big time sweet tooth, but if there's one dessert that is set apart above the rest, you know what it is? It's banana pudding. I've been mentioning that a lot lately, not because I want some, it's because my wife makes killer banana pudding, but it is literally set apart above every other dessert. I will pick that over a cake and ice cream and pie and donuts and you know cookies and do, you know, all the other, all the things. I will pick banana pudding above the rest every time because it's hallowed, all right? It is set apart for me, it's a favorite. So when we talk about, again, hallowed be thy name, we're talking about the name of God is in a place all on its own. What does it mean then to pray, hallowed be thy name? Three quick things. First, when we say hallowed be thy name, first, it's a statement of truth. Your name is hallowed. It, your name is above every other name in all the universe, in all of existence. God, your name is hallowed. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, God, you have exalted your name and your word above all things. Your name and your word. His, his word, the word of God, reveals to us the nature and character, the name of God. You've you exalted, you have elevated, you have set apart above all things your name and your word. Ephesians 1, Philippians 2, both of those passages tell us that Jesus himself has been given a name that is, what, fill in the blank, above every name. And Philippians 2 goes on to say that at that name, one day every single knee will bow to that name that is above 
every other name. It's a name that is hallowed. It's a name that is set apart. So first, when we say, hallowed be thy name, we are making a statement of truth. We're acknowledging the truth that your name is above every other name. Second, when we say, hallowed be thy name, we're, we're praying. It's a, it's a desire that we have that God's glory would reign in all the earth. We're in essence saying, God, may your, may your name be hallowed in all the earth. I want every every community, every person on this planet to hallow your name. That is my desire. But then there's a third thing. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, what we are doing is, is we are, in essence, approaching God, not casually, not flippantly. We are approaching Him with, with adoration and awe. We're approaching Him with adoration and awe. We are acknowledging that your name is, is, is set apart in all of the universe. And we want it to be set apart in all the earth. But first and foremost, God, I want your name to be set apart in my heart. I want your name to be set apart above every name, above every desire, above every person, above everything in my life. I want your name to be exalted above everything. And so I come to you in worship. I come to you in adoration. I come to you in awe. Hallowed be thy name. John Calvin, one of the great reformers, his first, his first rule of prayer had to do with the principle of reverence. And he said that there's nothing worse than to come to God, quote, devoid of awe. In other words, to come to God in such a manner that it's so normal and commonplace and casual that we've, we've lost the sense of awe. We've lost the sense of wonder of who we're speaking to, who has allowed us into his presence by his grace through the Lord Jesus. And Calvin would say there's nothing worse than to come devoid or empty of a sense of awe. Hallowed be thy name. So how do, we, how do we put this into practice? Let me give you a few quick thoughts here this morning. You may have heard of this. There's an acrostic for prayer. Again, us preachers, we're big on acrostics, so I'm sure a preacher came up with this. It's the word ACTS, A-C-T-S, and it, it will cover all the elements of this acrostic over the next number of weeks. But it's, again, another model for prayer that kind of flows with the Lord's Prayer. It starts with A, adoration, C, confession, T, which stands for thanksgiving, and S, which stands for supplication. And it all starts with A, adoration. Adoration simply means to adore. And so when we come to God in prayer with adoration first, it means God before I ask you for stuff, before I come to you for what you can do for me, I am coming to you, just simply adoring you, not for what you can do, but for who you are. Now, it is hard to separate who he is from what he has done, but adoration is all born out of worship that says, God, I just am in awe. I'm caught up in all of your glory and your grace and your goodness. 
That's what it means to come in adoration. And so think about how you normally pray. Whenever you pray, the different times that you pray, would the words awe and adoration adequately describe the way in which you approach God? Would it describe the posture of your heart? And I'm not talking about your physical posture. I'm not talking about being formal in your language or prostrating yourself physically before God. But is there a sense of awe in your heart when you come before Him? You know, when I think of, you know, for example, when I think of the way I pray before meals, awe and adoration are not typically part of my heart posture. And sometimes when I look at the food, there is a sense of awe. It's not, it's a sense of like, this is awesome. I can't wait to dig into this. Let's hurry up and pray. But it should start with a sense of, God, you are the one who, who, you're the genius behind this masterpiece in front of me. And I can't wait to get, to dig into this, but you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. And you gave me this goodness right in front of me. And so God, I'm in awe. You see what I'm saying? Awe and adoration aren't always, and maybe for some of us, not typically part of how we approach God, but it ought to be. Hallowed be thy name. You know, this again flows out of that first phrase, our Father, which art in heaven. And so here's what I want to encourage us to do. Rather than just mouthing the name of God, let's meditate on that name. So just as a tip, maybe what would be helpful for, for us is when we say the name of God, when we pray, whatever name that is, and I would, I would encourage you to change that up so you're not saying just the same thing over and over, because what tends to happen is because of repetitiveness, you don't think about what you're saying. And so change up what you call God, the names of God. There's so many names that you could call him by, each one that describes part of his character or nature but say the name, address him, and then pause and ponder and make a statement or a declaration of what is true about him. Remind yourself of who he is and what he has done so that you will stir up within you a sense of awe and adoration. So let me give you an example. For instance, instead of saying, Father God, I come to you today and I want to ask that you would bless this day and et cetera, et cetera. Maybe there's a pause there where you say, Father God, Creator, God, you are the one who has made the heavens and the earth. You are the one who has made this entire universe and every galaxy. You are the one who, who made this planet that I, that I live on. You are the one who formed and fashioned me and has given me breath in my lungs. So God, I come to you and I thank you for who you are and what you have done. And you, you see, when you reflect on who he is and what he's done, it stirs up, or it ought to stir up within you the sense of awe and adoration. What is it about God that is awesome or awe-inspiring? And so we say his name and re- reflect for a moment on who he is or what he has done, and we state that. We remind ourselves of what is true about him, and it stirs up in us affection and awe and adoration for him. And so maybe that can help you. You know, we address people all the time in our lives, and 
awe and adoration typically aren't part of how we address people. So for example, you know, when we talk to our moms and our dads, you know, we typically don't address them, you know, like daddy dearest or fairest mother, I thank thee that thou by thy grace hast, hast conceived me. And because of thy gracious mercies, thou hast enabled me to continue to have breath in my lungs. And so I ask thee, can I borrow 10 bucks? You know, that's, that's typically not how we address mommy and daddy, right? That, that we don't come in awe and adoration. And that's my point. My point is this, that God is set apart on a whole other level than mommy and daddy or any other human being on this planet. And so we should approach God, our Father, differently. We should approach Him with a sense of awe and adoration, with a sense of wonder, with a sense of worship, like we would never approach anybody else because He is different than anybody and anything else in existence. Amen? What a powerful name is the name of Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15, I think, says it so well. 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In your hearts, the posture of your heart, the way that you approach God, set Him apart. Honor Him as holy. Why? Because He is our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, the last couple weeks, I've said that I'm going to end every single one of these sermons uh, with a reading, a prayer from this devotional called The Valley of Vision. It's an old a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. Today is called The Name of, of Jesus. And, you know, as I first read this, it usually takes me a couple readings before it really sinks in. And so maybe upon first hearing, you know, and you're seeing the words come across the screen, maybe it, it doesn't quite resonate. I would encourage you to maybe come back to this and, and maybe what I ought to do is, is, is put this up on social media for you to go back and reflect on. It is uh, linked to in our Bible app notes. Um, but I would, I would encourage you to go back through these prayers and let these be the prayer of your heart that you would, you would let this sink in. The name of Jesus. All searching God, thou readest the heart, viewest principles and motives of actions, seest more defilement in my duties than I ever saw in any of my sins. The heavens are not clean in thy sight, and thou chargest the angels with folly. I am ready to flee from myself because of my abominations. Yet thou dost not abhor me, but hast devised means for my return to thee, and that by thy Son, who died to give me life. Thine honor is secured and displayed even in my escape from thy threats, and that by means of Jesus, in whom mercy and truth meet together, and righteousness and peace kiss each other. In him the enslaved find redemption, the guilty pardon, the unholy renovation. 
in him are everlasting strength for the weak, unsearchable riches for the needy, treasures of wisdom and knowledge for the ignorant, fullness for the empty. At thy gracious call I hear, take, come, apply, receive his grace. Not only submit to his mercy, but acquiesce in it. Not only glory in the cross, but in him crucified and slain. Not only joy in forgiveness, but in the one through whom atonement comes. Thy blessings are as secure as they are glorious. Thou hast provided for my safety and my prosperity, and has promised that I shall stand firm and grow stronger. O Lord God, without the pardon of my sin, I cannot rest satisfied. Without the renovation of my nature by grace, I can never rest easy. Without the hopes of heaven, I can never be at peace. All this I have in thy Son, Jesus. Blessed be his name. Father God, we come to you today and we just ask, would you help us to hallow your name, to set your name apart where it belongs above every other name, every other thing, every other desire in our life. Lord, may your name be above all. Lord, I pray for the one this morning who has never bowed their knee to you. Lord, I pray that today may be the day that they humble themselves and that they would call out to you, that they would call upon you for the very first time as Father. Oh Lord, for all of us, would you help us to, to be the people you've called us to be? Help us to hallow your name, to approach you each and every day, each and every time we approach your throne. Help us to come with a sense of awe and adoration. We pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.